Thank you so much for joining us for today's podcast. We'll get started in just a moment. If this is your first time here, please consider subscribing so that you may stay up to date with the latest podcast. And if our podcast brings value to your life, please consider sharing it with family and friends. Thanks for listening. And now here's today's podcast. Thanks for joining us for the Covenant Living Broadcast with Pastor John Butler of Covenant Life Church, located at 130 Atlantic Avenue in Bremen, Georgia. All right, Ephesians chapter 4. We'll, we'll read verses 11 through 16. Now these are the gifts that Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. Their responsibility, these church leaders... The responsibility of them is to equip God's people to do His work, build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue. This system that He's put in place will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. And then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We'll not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Lord, would you add your anointing to the reading and the hearing of your word? I pray, Lord, that we not just be hearers, we certainly not just be readers, or that we're not also just understanders of your word, but I pray that we are doers of it as we put into practice the things that you've called us to in our lives. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, last week we started a brand new series called On Mission. And it's an important, and I believe a practical series, because it really gets down at the heart of what Jesus called all of us to do. So we talked about that mission last week, and we talked about, uh, we'll talk about it again here in just a few minutes but I want to point out something that I think we overlook sometimes, if, and that is the, the bigger picture. If the mission is the work, then what are we working for? What are we working to achieve? What's it going to look like when we're done? What is a New Testament church supposed to look like? And he tells us that in the, in the last few verses of that passage. He paints a picture of what the body of Christ is, uh, is supposed to be. Imagine a church that's known for loving and not for fighting. A church where it's safe for everybody to come and hear about Jesus with no judgment and no pressure. Where A church where you can be real. A church where the presence of God is tangible and authentic. Where souls are saved and lives are being changed. Where people actually are becoming like Jesus. A church where every believer has a place and makes room for each other as we all strive to find our place and excel in that place. The last line in that passage really says it best. Healthy, growing, 
and full of love. That's the church that he wants us to be. That's the goal. And we can't stop until we get there, until we become that. So today's message is called Mission Accomplished. Mission accomplished. And I am, not, I am not declaring to you that we are done and full and mature and whole. I am telling you that we can't stop until the mission is accomplished. We must become the church that Jesus describes in Ephesians 4. We must get in place. We must get on mission and get focused on it every day until the mission is accomplished. So let's get into it. What's the mission? That's Matthew 28. 18 through 20, Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth, therefore go make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands that I've given you, and you can be sure of this, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. That's the mission Jesus gave us to accomplish to make disciples. It's always about discipleship. But it's a pretty daunting task if you think about it, right? What's the scope of the mission? Who are we supposed to go to, Jesus? Every person in the world, that's all. Just everybody who breathes. Oh, is that all? Okay, no big deal. So how are we going to accomplish that? How are we going to make disciples out of everybody? He told us, go. Go. Go into the world. Go where the people are. Where are they? Are they hiding? <laughs> people, they're everywhere. They're everywhere we go. He, he didn't establish the one holy church in Jerusalem and then call the world to come to it. Okay? There's no pilgrimage required. No, no holy mountain to climb to talk to the grizzled guru at the top. Jesus sent the church to the world. He's not asking the world to come to us. He told us to go to them. That's the only way that it's ever going to work. And it's the only way it's going to work today. And we can create the greatest, kindest, most inviting, most powerful church in the world with the best services and still fail to fulfill the mission. You say, John, that's, that's nuts. What in the world are you talking about? Jesus said, go. And if our strategy is based on staying, then we're not going to accomplish the mission. Let's look at Acts chapter 8. I need to show you some Bibles. So some of y'all don't believe what I just said. Acts chapter 1, Saul was one of the, one of the, um, the witnesses, and he agreed completely with the killing of Stephen. And a great wave of persecution began that day, sweeping over the church in Jerusalem. And all the believers, except the apostles, were scattered through the regions of Judea and Samaria. And then look at verse 4. But the believers who were scattered preached the good news about Jesus wherever they went. Up until this point, the church had pretty much been centered in Jerusalem since the day of Pentecost. The mission had been to go, but they had stayed. But when the persecution of the church began, the followers of Jesus started to scatter, and they, st- and they did that, taking the good news of Jesus with them everywhere they went. They were on mission all the time. Did they get jobs? Sure they did. How else are they going to feed their families? 
They got jobs. They had kids to raise. They had things to do. But they were on mission all the time, everywhere that they went. Uh, And they went to places that didn't even have a church to invite people to. I think that's exactly what Jesus expects of us. this This is an interesting question. If Jesus has called us to be on mission all the time, Now, I'm saying that as a given. Do you believe that Jesus is calling us to be on mission all the time? All right. If that's true, why do we focus so much attention on the one hour a week that we're gathered together and pay so little attention to the other 167 hours in the week? Are we on mission only at 1030 on Sunday mornings? Are we on mission only when we're all together? Or are we not still supposed to be on mission even when we're scattered in our various communities? A couple years ago, I preached a series called CL168. It was about becoming a 168-hour-a-week church, which is all of them, by the way. That's all the hours. Um, I think that's God's intention for us, for every church. If we're going to be a 168-hour-a-week church, if we're going to become a church that's always on mission, then we can't do it all while we're gathered together. We can't do everything the church is called to do in the hour or hour and a half that we get together on Sunday mornings. We can't accomplish the entire mission that Jesus gave us while we're gathered. We're going to have to scatter in order to accomplish the mission. The church is going to have to go. To go. That means all the ministry can't be carried out by the professionals. It has to be every believer every day. And that's because it's said in that passage, and that's okay, that's good news, because every one of us, according to that passage, has been given a gift by the grace of God, a ministry gift. You are gifted to go and be the church. I'm going to say that again in case you don't believe me. You, sir, ma'am, if you're a follower of Jesus, have been gifted to go and be the church everywhere you go. We think of, we think of uh, the church only when we come together to worship and serve, and we certainly are. But each of us is still the temple of the Holy Spirit, even when we're alone at our jobs, even when we're in our schools, even when we're in our homes. Think about this. Christ is my head, and I am his body all by myself. It's not just when I'm around you guys. It's, 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 it's every day, everywhere. I have to be on mission myself everywhere I go. And then when we come together, we're still the body of Christ. What's true of me is true of you as well. Each one of us is individually the body of Christ. We come together, we're still the body of Christ. We still have to be on mission We're still stronger when we come together. The mission is too big for any of us to do by ourselves. We have to scatter out to our own communities and our own neighborhoods and our own jobs using our own gifts and talents and spiritual weapons. It's the only way that it's ever going to work. We are all in full-time ministry until the mission is accomplished. Let's look at some of the gifts that God gives to people. I'm not going to read the, uh, the, well, yes, I am. We're just going to throw it all together. Okay. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12. 
I don't want you to get sidetracked just on this batch. I'm going to read you another batch, all right? A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. To the person, to one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same Spirit gives great faith to another, and to someone else, the, the, the one Spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles, another person the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God. Still another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages, while another is given the ability to interpret what's being said. It's the one Spirit, the one and only Spirit, who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. So there's nine gifts that he just listed right there. But that's not all of the gifts in the Bible. It's not all of the spiritual gifts that people uh, can receive. Look at Romans chapter 12, verse 6. In His grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, Others, be encouraging. If it's giving, give generously. If God's given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Now, that's a whole different set of gifts right there, right? Every one of you has been given one or more of these gifts. And, and, or some other gift that wasn't listed, that God's given you. Obviously, a few of these gifts lend themselves uh, to a church context more than, more than others, but almost every one of these gifts translate very well into your workplace or the ball field or wherever you go. If we're going to accomplish the mission, we can't confine the gifts to the gathered church. We have to carry those gifts and the good news of the gospel with us Everywhere we go. Everywhere. I've heard people say, well, I'm in one of those professions that you can't share Jesus on the job. Well, I'm here to tell you, those places do not exist. That's a cop-out. They don't. You absolutely can share Jesus on your job, and you must share Jesus on your job. I'm not proposing that you violate the rules and get up on top of the the, the tabletop in the break room and preach because that's weird and you might fall. I'm saying when the light of Jesus is shining in your life, you can't hide it. They might not hear you say Jesus, but they better be able to see Jesus. All right? Listen, they can't keep Jesus out of your workplace as long as you're willing to be like him. People get concerned about not being able to, quote, minister on the job. Well, what's ministry? Didn't we do that last week? What's ministry mean? Serving. It means serving. It's the definition of ministry. If you can serve, you're ministering. And no job is ever going to ban serving. No job's ever going to ban helping, caring for other people. No company would ever ban leading well, teaching well, 
being generous. Those gifts that he give us, that, that he gives to us, are not uh, only for ministry inside the church. They're for ministry outside the church. If you're a teacher, teach well. If you're a leader, lead well. Inside and outside the church. No one's mad about an employee with wisdom and special insight that they use to help the company and the employees. Are y'all okay? Y'all getting this? Look, look at what it says at the, end of, uh, at the end of this listening of the fruit of the Spirit. We talk about these fruit all the time. But don't miss the last, the, the last sentence in the verse. The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's great, right? We've, we've heard that list before. But look at this. There's no law against these. There's no law against these things. Nobody is ever going to ban joy. They're not going to arrest you for having joy. Nobody's ever going to pass a law against being patient and good. Those things serve people. They minister to people. People feast from the fruit that's produced in us by the Holy Spirit. That does not have to happen just in a church setting. That fruit should be available to everybody, everywhere, and it seems especially appealing to those who are the hungriest. The mission is too great for us to wait for them to come to us. We have to go and make disciples. They will never make it here if we don't take it there first. They'll never make it here if we don't take it there. It's the only way the mission is going to get accomplished. We have to go, not just as a church doing outreach, but in our everyday lives. Everywhere we go, every day on mission. Some of the greatest influences for Christ in our country today are not even what people in what we would call ministry positions. They're just people who realize that the Great Commission means them. And they realize that according to Ephesians 4, all of us are in full-time ministry. Until the mission is accomplished. Let me, let me tell you about a few of them. John Maxwell. John Maxwell. Good-looking joker. That's been about 20 years since he took that picture, but good-looking guy. Um, John Maxwell is perhaps the greatest teacher of leadership in the last 30 years in our country. He sold millions of books, including his seminal work, The 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership, that sold millions of copies itself. He speaks to large crowds uh, around the world. He consults with executives all over the place. In the late 1980s, he was pastoring the fastest-growing church in the country at that time, which was in San Diego, Skyline Presbyterian Church. He left church ministry because the leadership platform that he had created was giving him a far better opportunity to win souls than pastoring the church. Y'all think about that for a second. He left the church to go into ministry. Some of y'all ain't never been in church leadership position vocationally. That's all right. You're, you're already in ministry. He was leading inside the gathered church, but instead he chose to go to those outside the church. He intentionally uses his leadership platform to create opportunities to witness. People listen to him when he talks. He never deceives anybody. It's never rude. 
He doesn't, he doesn't sneak up on It's always above board. It's always respectful. It's person to person. He, he not only does it himself, he's taught his team members to do it uh, as his ministry, as his, his business, his company has expanded. They go and they consult and they speak all over the world. This, this past year, just last month, I think, the John Maxwell leadership team uh, from his company saw their one millionth soul make a profession of faith in Christ from their business. From their business. That's an astounding number of people. They expect to hit two million in about five years. They do this strategically. They do it on purpose. That would never have happened had he stayed in church leadership. It just wouldn't. Because there are other role, there are other there are other tasks assigned to a pastor of a church besides just going out and winning souls. There, there are other needs to take care of. He did it by taking the teachings, the leadership principles of Jesus, and teaching them to the leaders of the world. They were like, man, this is fresh, man. Where did you get this stuff? Yeah, he'd go, yeah, you don't want to know. And then when he told them they didn't want to know, they insisted on knowing. And there was his opportunity, right? He did it by consulting with the leaders of global and Fortune 500 companies and telling them how to get better, providing a level of service for them they couldn't get anywhere else. He's no longer pastoring a church. He's still in full-time ministry all over the world. Let me tell you about someone else. Looks completely, uh, it's a completely different perspective. This is Sint Marshall, Sint as in Cynthia. She retired as the CEO of AT&T. She was a woman of great accomplishment throughout her life as she rose from poverty and violence and abuse to achieve acclaim and worldly success. But Mark Cuban, you may have heard that name, convinced her to come out of retirement and to lead his NBA team, the Dallas Mavericks. She's the first black female CEO of an NBA team. She's incredibly smart, intuitive, specifically talented at turning around toxic cultures, which is why Mark Cuban hired her. She creates these workplaces of high achievement and high accountability and high integrity. She's also a believer in Jesus. And her excellence in what she does, the way she cares about people, the way she treats people with respect, gives her the opportunity then to pray and counsel with people uh, about her faith. She has her hands full as the CEO of an NBA team, but she's in full-time ministry. Let me ask you this. How many people have come to know about Jesus because the Kathy family and Chick-fil-A? It's chicken. It's chicken. It's just chicken. But it's not just chicken, is it? It's so much more than that. It's the way they serve people, make people more inclined to hear the message of Christ. Have you seen the little cartoon that floats around about with this guy bragging to Jesus that he's going to get a fish put on his business card because he wants people to know that he's running a Christian business? Have you all seen that little cartoon? And Jesus replies, well, why don't you leave the fish off and see if they can figure it out by how you treat people and how well you do your job? Jesus getting sassy with them, right? But isn't that the truth? Hadn't you walked out of businesses and looked back to make sure you did see a fish on the way in? 
Like, oh, okay. <laughs> making sure. I didn't see no Jesus up in here, but it's on the sign. You don't have to be a CEO or a small business leader. You, the same principles apply to any person in any position and on any scale. Whether you influence a thousand people, a million people, or one, you're in full-time ministry inside the home or outside the home. And you've been given gifts and abilities and resources to leverage for the king and the kingdom. You are part of the body of Christ. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. You are called and gifted. You are anointed and chosen, recreated and empowered by the Holy Spirit to do good works. You've been scattered to your part of the earth to carry the mission until the mission is accomplished. So are you doing ministry? Are you doing ministry? Every day when you wake up, at some point, I know there's a cloud, there's a fog, there's a haze. <laughs> at least there is when I open my eyes. Once the haze clears, at some point in there, do you, do you think, God, you give me another day. Help me to do what it is you've called me to do. Whatever that is. You say, John, I thought this was about accomplishing the mission. Being the kind of church that everybody wants to be. Like, shouldn't you be talking about the atmosphere and the worship experience? Like, shouldn't you be hiring the right staff to create the right kind of church that people want to come to? Shouldn't you be working on your messages there, Butler? Shouldn't you be improving your messages and make sure they're more entertaining and more marketable and all these little bite-sized chunks that we can tweet? Shouldn't you be branding and platforming and, and promoting well, you can definitely build a church that way. You can definitely grow a following that way. That's just not the mission that Jesus sent us on. It's not a professional venture. It's not about a curated experience. It's real people, all the people, everywhere, all the time. It's not just about me and the church staff. It's about you. And if I'm being honest, it's really more about you than it is any of us anyway. I'm telling you, the research is very, very clear. People are more likely to come to Christ, more likely to come to church with you when you invite them than they are when I invite them. And it's not even close. You say, John, okay, this is, I get it, but this is really terrifying. Like, I don't know how to do this. I don't even know where to start. Well, let me help you know where to start. Here's where you start. Love. Love. You're like, John, I thought that was a few series ago. I get it, but all this stuff carries over. Love. You have to love people. If you don't love the person you're ministering to, you're manipulating them. In Romans 12, we read about the, some of the gifts, the leadership gifts and the service and, and, and all those. The very next verse, he says, don't, pretend, don't just pretend to love others, really love them. You can't even fake it. You know the difference when you're being loved and when you're, when you're in, encountering somebody that's faking it, Amen. right? Amen. And it's just, it's, I just, it's just slimy. I can't stand it. I can't stand it. Like, really love me or really don't? I'm cool either way, but, like, let's don't fake it because that wastes mine and your time both. And I feel the need to shower after all of that. It's just, it's just nasty. You have to really love people. Remember, it has to start with love. You don't find a purpose, you find a person. And you start loving them. 
Then once you have love in your heart, you start by serving. Serving. Start by learning the name of the secretary or the janitor or the person that you pass by 150 times a day that you don't even pay attention to. Learn their names. Find out something about them or about their family. Find out do they like college football or do they like NASCAR? Like they a Dale Jr. fan or are they a who whatever? Is one of their parents elderly? Is one of them sick? Is their kid in the band? You're like, John, that's not very ministry-like. Just, just hang with me. Just go with it. Just start somewhere. Treat them like a human being with the same respect you treat the boss. And guess what's going to happen over time? As you speak to them every day, every week, as you check up on them, you know what's going to happen? They're going to ask you to pray about something. They're going to ask you, they're going to tell you about a need in their life. And now your ministry of serving has opened the door for prayer or some other kind of ministry. So if they ask you to pray, pray. If it's appropriate, pray right there. If not, pray off-site, send them a text and tell them, what, tell them that you prayed for them. Or text them the prayer. And then follow up with them about the need. See how they're doing. See, you see what I mean? Go, go pastor these people. That's what I'm saying. Just go pastor these people. Just go love on them. They don't even know what you're doing. But that's how it works. That's how it works. John Maxwell, when he goes to these, to these seminars and he's the, he's the keynote speaker, he just goes and pastors the people. That's all he does. He's still pastoring. He's just pastoring people outside the church instead of inside the church. Jesus could not have been clearer about the mission. Go make disciples. So we have to all be on mission every day, everywhere. We can't just be in our holy huddle here at the church. You are the church. You are are the church. People, people ask, where's Covenant Life? Where's your church? Well, we gather in Bremen. But through the week, the other 167 hours a week, you'll find us on the roads around Atlanta. You'll find us in a factory in Tallapoosa. You'll find Covenant Life in a classroom in Mount Zion. We're on the pipeline. We're on a tractor. We're at the grocery store or a restaurant. We're in a homeschool group. We're repairing jet engines in Villarica. We're on stage with our theater group or on the court or on the field with our athletic team. We're blue collar. We're white collar. We're bosses. We're employees. We're teachers and students and cafeteria workers and God bless us bus drivers. But we're all the church. We're all on mission. We're all in full-time ministry looking for a person to help, looking for a person to serve, looking for a need to meet, looking for somebody to love. And if we'll follow the plan, if we'll be on mission 168 hours a week, then we'll become the church that Paul described in Ephesians, healthy and growing and full of love. The kind of church that we all want to be a part of, right? The kind of church that looks like Jesus. And the mission will then get accomplished. So here's my question for you today. How focused are you on the mission? How focused are you on the mission? How focused are you on ministry when you wake up in the morning? Don't get distracted by the pressure to go start a Bible study. That's what everybody jumps to 
when, when you hear a message about ministry on, on your job, isn't it? Oh, Lord, i got to start a Bible study. Well, quit. Leave Beth Moore alone. Just leave her alone. Just go talk to people. You don't have to start a Bible study. You ain't got to preach to people. Just go love on people. Start there. What, what can you do to serve somebody? What can you do to bless somebody? To connect with somebody? Just to love on somebody? Ask the Holy Spirit to show you. And He will. Ask the Holy Spirit to operate gifts through you for the benefit of the people around you, to benefit your company, to benefit your customers. It's time for all of us to get in full-time ministry. And He's going to help you. He's going to help you because it's His idea. I'm going to let, uh, we're, we're going to close. In just a second, I'm going to um, ask you to stand and I'll pray and, and uh, they'll come and we'll sing one last song together. And if you want to come to this altar and pray, you can. But I, I'm going to let somebody else close the message and give the altar call today. It's a young FedEx driver that I want you to hear from. So guys, let's go ahead and listen to her story. As you can tell, I'm at work. I just had to pull over and say something real quick. Um, as I'm delivering, uh, I pull up to this house. The lady walks out because she's checking her, her mailbox for her newspaper. And I have two boxes for her, so we start walking up the driveway together. And she asked me if I had a happy holidays. And I was telling her how busy it was. I told her I had a, a really great uh, Christmas and New Year's. And I, I asked her the same. I was like, how was your holidays? And with tears in her eyes, she said it wasn't good. And um, she said, he's sick. My husband's sick. He has cancer. I continued a small talk to try to change the subject because that's awkward. And uh, I deliver her package. She said, what's your name? I said, Amanda. And she told me her name. I drove off. Um, my heart's pounding. I, I do probably 20 more stops. And I have to go back. Um, you know, with this kind of job, we're on a, a tight schedule. Um, quicker you do it, the better. Quicker you get home. I stopped what I was doing. I went back to that neighborhood and rang her doorbell and uh, asked her. She came down the stairs, and uh, she had tears in her eyes. When she saw it was me, she smiled. And I said, ma'am, can I pray with you? And she just broke down. She came out on the front porch and squeezed me so tight. Um, this lady I've never met. She held my hand so tight, and I prayed for her and her family and for her husband. And the point of this is, is a lot of people want the Lord to use them. And, and for me as an example, I pray every day for the Lord to use me. But when he's, he's trying to use you or when you feel that call and that, that tug on your heartstrings, do you move your feet? Do you move? Because I easily could have just went. I have a hundred stops. I easily could have just went about the rest of my day thinking about it. So when you feel those tugs on your, on your heartstrings and you feel like you need to do this, stop and do it. You know what I mean? Um, oh man, that was like the most genuine hug I have received in a long time. And I just want to share that with you guys. If you, if you're praying for the Lord to help, and to use you in people's situations, when he is giving you a chance, do it. If not, you're gonna you're gonna continue to think about it and think about it and regret it. Like, so be sure you know what you're praying for when you're praying. 
I don't know, I just, it, it made me sad, but yet it made my day to, this lady was just so alone. But anyway, you guys have a good day. Y'all staying with me. She said it better than anything I got in mind. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for inviting all of us into your mission. Lord, if we're being honest, you, you didn't really just invite us. You, you pretty much told us to get busy and help us to do that. Thank you for the examples that you've raised up all around us, and I pray that you help us to step in and do it scared, but do it. Because these are people on the other side of these conversations, on the other side of these awkward hugs and, and, and prayers that we feel uncomfortable praying for people, the other side of, of, of introducing yourself and learning somebody's name is a real human being that you died for. somebody that needs love, somebody that needs help. And I pray that you help us to be your hands and feet, help us to be your body, and be faithful to go out and do what you've called us to do. Everybody, everywhere, every day. On mission. Lord, draw people to this altar for whatever reason, whether it's in response to the call that you've placed on us this morning from your word whether there's some situation or need going on in their lives, I just pray that you would draw them here. God, that when they, uh, that when they pray, that you'd meet them there in the middle of that need and provide a way and provide faith and provide uh, peace while you work in their situation. In the name of Jesus, we pray. We pray that you have been blessed and inspired by today's Covenant Living broadcast. To find out more information about our ministry, just visit our website at www.covenantlifewestga.org. You can find this video there on our homepage. Just click the YouTube button and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. Give us a call at 770-537-3747. That's 770-537-3747. At Covenant Life, our mission is to go and make disciples by being real, relational, and reaching. Be sure to join us next week for more Covenant Living with Pastor John Butler.